It's Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul. On Demand, Season 3, Episode 8 with John Langston. What can we expect to hear on this new album, man? On this album, you're going to hear all different influences of, you know, country, rock, hip-hop, pop, all this stuff. I, I love everything, so, like, I'm going to have everything in my music. I ain't ashamed to, like, say any of that. I'm down for whatever. And we're glad to have John Langston on this episode of Taste of Country Nights On Demand. Just a reminder, the latest guests here at Taste of Country Nights On Demand, Lady A, the Bellamy Brothers, Gene Watson, Connor Smith, Kenny Chesney, all your favorite country artists, they always stop by here. Taste of Country Nights On Demand. This podcast is part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network. Hanging out with John Langston today, man. How's it going? It's going, buddy. How are you? Good, man. First, uh, your debut album, yeah. 10 years into the game, in an age of streaming and singles and TikTok, tank top and all that <laughs> stuff. What does it mean to you to drop a full-length album? It's like, finally, like, <laughs> in fruition, like, it's finally here. Uh, you know, you said, like, 10 years, and I feel like it's been a lifetime for this, uh, you know. I started putting out music when I was in college and and uh, to be able to put out a full length record for the first time, I feel like, you know, the fan like I'm giving this to the fans for that have been sticking it with me for so long and um finally confident enough in my sound and my music and my story to share it with the world and I'm just really proud of it, man. It tells you know, I've been doing a lot of growing, healing and learning over these years and that's you know, putting my heart on ice and that's what I've been doing. So I'm just excited for it, man. Do you get like an like a Toby Keith, how do you like me now type attitude like to anybody that over the past 10 years are like, man, you're not going to pull out a full length album. And then you're like, boom. I don't know if it's more of like the how do you like me now, but I feel like it's like, all right, I'm ready now. Like, I feel like it's more like, okay, vindication. Now, it's, it's time. Like, yeah. it's, it's time now. Like, I got you. You know what I mean? What were you? Give me your uh, up to this point, your best day. In Nashville and your worst day in Nashville to get you here. Like, wh- when did you think about making a U-turn and taking it back home? And when did you think about, man, this is, I'm here. Uh, when I, I'd have to say, um, playing the, playing the record, um, in front of the whole label a few weeks ago, uh, and telling my story in between songs and like, just seeing everyone there and everyone locked in and everyone here in my heart and stuff. That was like when I was like, all right, I'm here and like, I'm ready now. Like this, let's go. And I'm not going to lie. Like there's been a few times where I'm like, is this even what I'm supposed to do? Is this even what I want to do anymore? Especially come out of COVID. I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I was really down on myself. I was going through some stuff and I was just like, man, what do I, what am I, you know, is this, is this even right? Did you keep pursuing this dream? And uh, I even sold like a few guitars because I was just like, I was down in the dumps, man. I didn't even, you know, feel like that was where I was needing to run. And I just, I'm glad I didn't quit. I'm glad I didn't um, found myself again, bought back those guitars. And uh, oh, you got the I got, I got it back. Yeah, I got back. The, that. Did you pay more than you sold it for? Uh, about, about broke even. So, okay. uh, so I mean, I might have to, I, I had to probably do some, you know, 
trade another guitar in there just to yeah. break even. But it's like guitar B and B. Yeah, it was it yeah. was worth it, man. It was you know that guitar. I wrote a lot of songs on that guitar, especially on this album. And uh, I have never told that story, so that's pretty cool. That you know, I probably need to talk about that more because it's it's really cool. It was, I you know made my Opry debut with that guitar, and um, it's just that guitar means a lot to me. And uh, but yeah, man, I'm glad I didn't quit. I'm glad I stuck it out and followed what all my heart really because I was just following my head at that time. So, well, how did you sell it, and who'd you sell it to that you were able to get it back? Well, it was a guitar shop in town, and, and they didn't resell it. And no, it was sit. So I would be walking by it all the time, and it was sitting in the window. Wow, it was just like staring me in the face, like, "What are you doing, man?" Wow. So, and then one day I was just like, "I ain't, I ain't quitting," and I walked in there and got it back. Wow, good for you, man. Good for you. Uh, and you wrote all but like what three songs yeah, on this album? All but three. Yeah. Is there uh, was that intentional? Like, are you like, man, I got to get some outside songs? Man, or? like it just happened naturally. Like, Hard on Ice, the what the album is titled. Uh, I had the record done, and I knew there was a, I knew there was a theme. I knew, it, but I didn't know what it was until I heard Hard on Ice. My tour manager, he's in publishing as well, so he slid me this song, and I was like, man, this sounds like. It sounds amazing, and then it just kind of hit me. I'm like, all these songs relate to that hard on ice theme, like whether it's you know growing, healing, you know, whatever, you know, stopping in time and just you know focusing on yourself or like others or whatever it may be. Um, so I was like, man, this is the missing puzzle piece. So uh, it happened natural like that, but also like <laughs> I feel uh, other songs I've written. Um, on this album with other co-writers, you know, we were at a writer's retreat and one of the co-writers was just playing a demo. It was just like an acoustic thing. And I was like, Oh buddy, I'm cutting the heck out of that one. <laughs> and it was just like, it didn't even, I didn't even know what I was going to make it sound like. I just love the message. I, lo- I just it had this cool feeling and, and I, I love the melody and I love what it was saying. Cause I've been there before and it's called never left me. And, I did not write that song, but Jordan Gray, he was playing me that demo, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this song. And uh, and it fits the album great. And and it, we did a really cool intro. We kept the original intro that was on the demo. It was really cool. Nice. Um, <clears throat> I think, guys, our generation, um, our granddads give us a watch. Yeah. I think it was a so, – is Granddaddy's watch based off a, a real true story? A real true story, man. I should have put it on today, uh, <laughs> but uh, I try to keep it, you know, hung up, you know, whenever I can. But um, yeah, he gave it to me when I was uh, in middle school, and my granddad, he's my hero, the guy I look up to, uh, you know, who I want to be one day. And uh, he, uh, you know, being in middle school, I was just throwing around, every, you know. I lost it eventually and I couldn't find it for years and I ended up finding it in a, uh, in a drawer in a nightstand drawer that he actually built when I was like kid. Wow. It was really cool. Cause like it was in my childhood bedroom. I took it to college with me. I took it to Nashville with me and now it sits in my studio. Wow. And I was cleaning out the studio and I just found it. And, and then, uh, I was like going to do my grand old Opry debut and I put it on and, you know, had it shined up and looking good for that. And it was just like, he was there with me. It's, it's a special song, man. I, it's one of my favorites on the album. What traits did you get from him? Oh, man. We both love cigars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, man, he's just a good old boy from Georgia. And he's just, he's a family guy. 
He, um, he tried, you know, I, I'm working on it, you know, <laughs> I think we, we all can try to be wise with our money, but he always like just embedded that in me, just be careful with how I'm spending money. Especially when I started doing music, he was always freaking out. <coughs> Excuse me. How I was, uh, if I was doing well and if I was being wise with Got it. it. And, uh, yeah. So I was definitely, you know, always conscious of that. And, uh, man, we love the outdoors. We love fishing. I got that from him. So it's awesome. What musical influences um, will we be able to hear on Hard on Ice? Oh, man, I'm from, you know, I'm from a town where we listen to everything. So, I mean, on this album, you're going to hear all different influences of, you know, country, rock, hip hop, pop, all this stuff. I I love everything. So, like, I'm going to have everything in my music. I ain't ashamed to, like, say any of that. I'm down for whatever. And, uh, but... It, Hard on Ice, it just has this, like, it'll make you bob your head, and it's just, like, great song live. We started playing it live a few weeks ago, and it's just, it, it's hard, and it's a fun song to play live. So, it's it, got some cool influence. In, in the album, are there, is there, like, a, a hint of, is there a song that would point to a direction that you're going to go next? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I don't know. I I feel like I can go either way all the time. I feel like... uh it's just, I feel like in me as an artist, I've always said this, like each song I have has its own like personality, has its own way. I will never have one specific thing, I guess. I'll never have like, oh, that's definitely like, I'm going to go that way. Like, I feel like it's whatever the song is. Like, I never want to have one song sound like the other. I feel like each of my songs are going to have its own signature. Okay. Not like, you know, like if you used to listen to like a Britney Spears album back in the day, it was all same. Yeah. same okay, yeah. so you don't want to be like that. Yeah, like I got a song, I Ain't Country, I did with Travis Denning. We both love like, you know, heavy music. And so we put some, we got some double kick drums in it where we got these slinging metal guitars in there. And it's awesome. It just makes you want to go get a neck brace at the Daco merch table. <laughs> yeah. Are you and Travis good friends? Are y'all, we're, yeah, we're good friends, man. Give uh, me a story where y'all got into it, oh, into some trouble. Oh, man. I ain't. I, <laughs> I could sit here all day and tell you about some crazy stuff. But, uh, nah, we, uh, me and him uh, came up together, you know, um, moved to town around the same time. And he's just been a great friend of mine over the years. And, uh, you know, we, you know, played so many shows together. We've, you know, you know, thank you so much. And, uh, we go fishing together. We get, you know, go hunting together. And, um, it's just cool to like, be able to like for my debut album, have like a buddy like that on it. And, uh, to share that it's really cool. Um, and that's your only, um, uh, that's your only feature on the album. The only feature. Yep. Uh, who has been an ally for you in country music other than uh, Luke Bryan uh, and Red Ak- and Red Akins? Another uh, man, I'll tell you, I've got a Cole Swindell's been a great friend of mine, and uh, he's took me out on tour before, and uh, he's you know ha- you know gave me advice along the way, you know coming up, and uh, we went on did a whole tour together uh, years ago, and man, it's just it's cool. so awesome to see where he's at and you know i just i looked up to him so much still do look up to him man it's just uh i remember i was just before i even got started i was at it like i just stumbled in his uh 
showcase down in Atlanta and like remember him playing beer in the headlights and I was just like singing every word because I was such a fan had it like on my burnt CD I had all these demos of his and you know and just to be able to you know learn from him and get advice from him in my own journey is really cool and same with uh Luke Bryan is there more pressure being his only artist on 32 bridge yeah when he, does it I mean does he hit you up all the time like what are you doing both yeah he's I mean he's he'll check he let me tell you something. Luke Bryan, he's the one of the greatest guys I ever met. He, you know, he'll do anything for you. He'll stop anything, just check on you and just make sure you're doing good. He just wanted to make sure I'm making the music I want. And that's why I signed with him and UMG. He's like, he was like, do whatever you want. Like, you're the artist. You're you're the creative. Like, you do you. And we ain't gonna tell you how to do it. And that's why I signed. I wasn't even gonna, you know, sign, I guess, because like I just was loving being independent and do, you know, cutting what I wanted to cut. And, and that's what he promised me. And I, you know, this album, I literally <laughs> went in and cut what I wanted. It was awesome. Um, all right. We did some deep digging on you. Um, and we found a fact that not many people may know, or they may not know. Uh, you're related to Johnny Cash. And somewhat, <laughs> I guess. Uh, it was a family rumor for a long time. And of course, I'm like, no, there's no way. And uh, we actually had a, uh, a genealogist make a our family history book and it was really cool to like go through and everything it goes way way back but uh there it is cited and everything that johnny cash is uh related to my grandma on my mom's side it's pretty crazy <laughs> what does that get you like can you get into johnny cash museums for free like do you, do you get free I, merch i don't know if i should just bring that book next time just like here i swear yeah. did anything change on that day when you found out that you were related to cash oh no i still had to work twice as hard <laughs> no it's just, I, I just think it was a really cool because like i was such a doubter and i was like there's no way so that's funny yeah uh football season in full swing you used to play football who's your squad man go dogs i'm a big i grew up 30 minutes from athens so i've always been a big dogs fan and all my family goes there and my brother just graduated from there and we love athens um are you, you i can tell if you're a true dogs fan if are you disappointed that they didn't goose egg the other team this week this past weekend first, they let them score seven even though they won yeah first game hey it's gonna happen you're gonna ha- you're gonna <laughs> it was make, like 40 something to yeah, seven yeah, yeah. make some adjustments you know <laughs> yeah, hey, dogs fans are pissed i know they're called i'm not that kind of fan okay i'm like dude we won by 30 something like, yeah take the w <laughs> Take the win. <laughs> Do you think you would uh how high up would you have gone? Uh you would you have made it pro, you no, think? No, I no, I wouldn't have made it pro. I I was uh you know, I was significantly under the uh I guess the size requirements. I'm not the biggest, fastest, strongest guy, but I just I feel like what got me to play D one ball is just my work ethic and I just worked to get there and um, you know, I had too many concussions um playing ball and and uh, that's what got me into music. But yeah, I had no, I knew that like I had no aspiration to go into the NFL. I just wanted okay. to go. My, my goal was to go play D1 ball and go get a degree and stuff. But uh, yeah. Do you know like when you have a concussion, like how can you describe uh, that to somebody? It's like deja vu. And you, I mean, it's, I mean, there's a couple of different types but my last i will say my last one was the one where i knew i was done like what uh, how you got I hit was, you're got, on the ground I mean, we were it was my first drill back from my like my fifth concussion 
and I was out for like a couple months, and I was feeling good. My first drill back, and we're doing inside drill, and that's where you know, yeah, you, you know, you just got half the line of scrimmage, and you got a running back, linebacker, and um, and you got a full back in front of there, and you got a DN and a tackle, and uh, yeah, we just. Ran right up the middle, and I met that fullback head on, and it was just like I had him perfectly, but he just uh, he just hit me perfectly, and I dropped to my knees, and I was blind for like 15 minutes, and uh, I was scared to death, and I thought I hit myself blind, and finally, eventually, my vision came back. You know, it was like you know when you close your eyes, you can tell that it's light outside, but that's how it felt. I felt my eyes were open, but it was the scariest moment, and we got rushed to the hospital, and then. Um, we uh, did cat scan and all that and just had another back concussion. And I went and had a meeting with my with my coaches and the trainer. And we were like, yeah, I'm just going to hang it up. And uh, that's what happened. Are you more cautious with life in general now or no? No, I, <laughs> no not really. I just, <laughs> you know, I'm not like headbutting anybody no more. But <laughs> That's cool, man. You know, I just, uh, no, nah, I just, I've. It was a uh, it was a fun run playing football, but you know I don't really think it's affected me. You hear about all these stories, CT and stuff like that, and I've gone to the doctor before, and you know it's just it's just one of them things. Just I had a few more than I should have in college, but you know, hey, I'm living a happy, healthy life now. So and we all had a few more than we should in college. Yeah. Might not be concussions. <laughs> Might not be concussions. Yeah. It could have been something cold. Well, congrats, bro, on your album coming out, man. Big fan. Thank you so much for stopping by. All right, let's bring in Billy Dukes from behind the camera to talk about this interview here with John Langston, Carolina boy. I'm going to ask you a heater right off the bat. Ooh, yes. All right, you talked about his song, Granddaddy's Watch. Mm-hmm. Do you have a personal memento from a loved one lost that you cherish in a similar way? I sure do. Um, yes. I So, yeah. I mean, okay, so I have this necklace. My grandfather was a jeweler. So I have this uh, really uh, thick uh, gl- uh, gold necklace that he gave me. He's still alive. He's 99, by the way. Uh, so, but I took my... Uh, uh, diamond ring from my father who passed away and I took the diamond out and I had it meshed into the necklace and then I took some other gold that my dad had that I got and melted it down and added it to the necklace to make it a little longer so it's a memento of my dad and my grandpa in one necklace wow that's yeah. uh, I gotta didn't tell you, expect that. I, I didn't. And, and when it comes to these kind of things, I am like the polar opposite. Like, I, I don't know if there's literally anything that I wouldn't sell if the price was right. Uh, <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, part of the I reason, mean, part of the uh, reason for this is because like a lot of the things that get passed down to me are like big things, like old antique furniture. Okay, you've moved from town to town. When you start moving that couch like a fourth, fifth time, it's like you'll give me a thousand for it. Yeah, I think if we're gonna do that, that's fair. That's fair. I I agree with you, but I I feel like with I agree with Langston though on on this. I think when it comes to like jewelry, I don't know, it's a little different for me. But I'm with you on that. I, I would be really quick to sell like a TV or something like that. But you know, I mean, I don't know. I 
Like I'm sitting on a my dad, you know, my dad was like in the mafia and I don't even I don't even know. I don't know. But he wore a lot of gold back in the 80s and 90s. I'm sitting on like um uh ID bracelet that's like a chunk of gold that it says Murray on it. That what am I I don't want to sell it, but like I I don't want to wear it and then I don't want to like melt it down. So like what do you do with something like that? I guess you write a song. That's like something you write a song about, I guess. Should we ex- just kind of let the my dad was in the mafia line just kind of go by, or do we need to stop and kind of explore <laughs> that a little bit? Like, I feel all, like all I know is he, he, we know why. All I know is he got in trouble for selling uh, land that was kind of uh, underwater in the Florida Everglades. And then... Uh, really? There was another instance where uh, they were selling racehorses. Uh, I don't know too much about <laughs> I don't know. Well, I can kind of relate to this, actually, with my grandfather, because he was in a... a, a an auto adjacent industry in Detroit in like the 60s and 70s. And I'm pretty sure at some point he kind of came up against or like talked to Hoffa or someone just one or two steps removed from Hoffa. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. So now if I were you, you know, I would be like, uh, you know, close relative to Jimmy Hoffa. I don't know if I, because then I got people asking me questions and I don't know. I'm going to say, I mean, just pick a random house in Michigan and be like, that's where he is. That's it. That's where he is. Uh, John Langston. I mean, I I really enjoyed this conversation. He's kind of been around for a better part of a decade. And I think he kind of came up as like Luke Bryan's boy. This was like the first artist that Luke Bryan put his arm around and really tried to help. He even created a record record label and signed John Langston to it as part of like UMG. It was like a little imprint, as they call it. And what was interesting to me was how he was talking about he really struggled during the pandemic, just like every new artist. Like Luke wasn't there to sort of catch him and the selling his guitar. Like when an artist sells his guitar, that's always a really big deal. Yeah, man, that was that was like tough to listen to him say that because, I, yeah, yeah, I know how much of a big deal it is, you know, because you, you hear of all these artists that are playing these guitars from the 60s and 70s and you can't match the sound and. God, when he said that, man, that hit me like, I mean, I hate to say it, but that hit me almost like he was telling me he had to give his kid up for adoption. I think it kind of feels that sort of way to artists. Man, yeah. Artists who haven't had kids anyway, you know, like, like that's a sort of a, a line in the sand sort of moment. So it's surprising that he not only got it back, but he went on to record an album, presumably with the guitar and others. Yeah. Now, if you're him, do you wonder where that guitar was and the trek that it took when you dropped it off at summer camp, if you will, and then picked it back up? Or do you just play it like you never had lost it? Well, the way he told the story sort of makes it seem like he sold it to the guitar shop or the pawn shop and it never sold to anybody else. So he was able to just sort of go back in and buy it. Right. That's kind of how Nobody I wanted it. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like they didn't advertise it as John Langston's guitar, I guess, but uh, that was kind of how I understood that. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, you got to wonder how many um, pawn shops have guitars in them around Nashville, too. That's probably a big thing. You know, sort of the double-edged sword about being an artist who is coming up under another artist's mentorship is it seems like it would just really ratchet up the expectations. Like, if you're John Langston and Luke Bryan's your mentor, like, anything less than Luke Bryan level of success, 
you know, especially early on, that has to kind of feel like you're not doing well or you're failing to some degree. That is an interesting angle. And like, I, I, I would put that through the angle of like, do you give someone a job reference, you know, and, um, I, I, it's, that's tough. I, I don't like to do that because then you're almost responsible for that person, you know, and, and their behavior and what they do. So, you know, to tenfold to what you said, cause now Luke Bryan signs you and Luke Bryan's name is on the line and, you know, I mean, granted, if John Langston doesn't do well, it's not going to affect Luke Bryan's career, but it's certainly going to be a blemish, uh, you know, when people, uh, you know, get under the hood and write about it and, and, and reminisce about it, for sure. That's that's a lot of pressure on both artists. Which one would you say is more pressure on, a Luke Bryan or a John Langston? Oh, John Langston. Because if John Langston goes away or fails, then Luke Bryan's, he's still Luke Bryan. You know, he's, he's still got his okay. career in American Idol and all of that. If Luke, But there's going to be articles where it's like that time Luke Bryan tried, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm thinking that because I would write no, it. I, I think, <laughs> you know, Luke Bryan will just be the next guy. And everybody will kind of may look up one day and go, oh, whatever happened to that, that one dude? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, other artists have had sort of artists under their... They're like, I think Dustin Lynch sort of really worked hard with an artist named Tyler Rich, who was a really cool artist on um, one of the uh, big machine labels at some point. And I think he's kind of faded away to a certain degree, but no one's like, hey, Dustin Lynch, remember that one guy you worked with? That didn't work out. You know, I don't think anybody holds that against Dustin in any sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, a lot of a Carolina connection here with uh, you and and John Langston. Um, you early on, I was, it was fun listening to sort of like the pre-recording uh, conversation. You guys were talking about the, I don't know, the origin of the word bra. Like you might say, oh bra, come on, tell me about it or something like that. Like apparently that's a really a, a Carolina thing. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I I deleted that part of the interview, but but. Uh, Yes. Yeah. I mean, a little bit. Yeah. There's not too much things that Carolina we have, you know, other than that we're first in flight and bruh and the Panthers and the, we don't really like the hockey team. I think it just kind of happens. Um, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes and that's about it. Oh, and uh, UNC uh, Chapel Hill and Duke and all that. But yeah, brah, that's kind of the origin of that. And anytime someone comes in from your home state, it's like, I was like ready to jump right in, you know, I was when I was chopping up the interview to upload it here to the podcast, I was like, uh, it was tough to chop that part out. I was like, man, I kind of, I didn't want to like talk to him about other stuff. I was like, oh, let's just talk about North Carolina. I think really you nailed it too. Like when it comes to the things that Carolina's known for, like your top three are first in flight, bra. Yeah. And the Carolina uh-huh. Panthers, like that's probably the top three. Like you ask anybody, they're going to give you that answer. I think pretty much. I think so. <laughs> and as my wife likes to say, because she's from New Jersey, <laughs> she likes to say first in flight, last in education. But you know, I don't think that's the truth. Oh, oh Jer- like Jersey people <laughs> giving Carolina people a hard time. Right. I feel like that's like the bullied beating up on the bullied. That's like, <laughs> yeah, people are miserable together. Yeah. Misery needs company, man. One of my favorite questions that you've been asking artists lately is this best and worst day in Nashville question, because it's 
kind of an open-ended question, but it's really produced some great answers. Obviously, with John Linkson, we talked about selling his guitar, but I don't know. I mean, there's been other examples where people have kind of really shared something that maybe people haven't talked about before. Here's what I'll say about that. That is a tough question to answer, and the only reason I know that is because in an upcoming episode that you're going to hear at Taste of Country Nights on Demand <laughs> uh, with Keith Urban, I asked him that question, and he turned it on me immediately. And that is a tough, heavy question to answer in a short amount of time because you literally have to flip through your mental Rolodex and the first couple things that lands on it's almost like uh, roulette uh, in a in a sense because you know that's it is tough you know because what if what if you know he Langston leaves here and it's like well oh yeah that's not my my worst day is actually this you know it's a, it's just a tough question off the top of the head and I th- I think it's good it gets the artists thinking about it and reminiscing about. The past, you know, whether good and b- and bad. So I think I'm going to push back on that just a little bit in that I think when someone asks you that, like what your worst day in Nashville is, you instantly think of the answer. And then it's a question of, can I share this? Like, is this an answer <laughs> I'm willing to pe- tell this person? So, yeah. you know, we asked this question fairly early on. Maybe we need to bury it a little later in the interview after you've kind of already established some trust yeah. and rapport and they might get a, a little bit of a more. It's kind of like asking, you know, if you and your wife are out for dinner and someone asks you who your first love is, oh. you're going to think about who that first love was, but you're going to say your wife, whether or not it is the truth. You know what I mean? Oh, like, hell be, yeah. Yeah. Mary Joe in sixth grade or something like that. But you're not going to say that unless you know you have that person's trust. Right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, that's why that. I think when like when Keith Urban, we asked him that question, you'll, we'll get to his answer, which is really, really good. Like he bought himself by time, some time by asking you what yours was. And then he thought of a, an actual worst day. That he could actually share because when you talk about Keith, you start to get in some issues of his addiction and some of these issues he had, and those probably are are his worst days. But the degree to which he wants to go into that five minutes in an interview, I'm not so sure. Ask that question to Jelly Roll if you haven't already; he'll give you a raw answer. Oh yeah, he sure yeah. will. I'm gonna ask the question to everybody when I when I roll <laughs> up to Dunkin' Donuts. I'm gonna ask the lady at the drive-through. Yeah, yeah, I think so.